0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Yes, it is Bader Pod. Thanks for being back once again. The Mariners have done it again, 11 in a row for the M's. They've won 19 of their past 22 as they continue to surge to the All-Star break. It's been quite a couple days for the M's. We'll talk about the last two days in Washington and Texas. Also coming up, a fun conversation as Aaron and I had a chance to catch up with Wade LeBlanc. I think you'll really enjoy that. So that comes up. In just a few minutes. But let's get to what has happened the last couple of days. It's been a wild couple of days. Of course, the doubleheader in Washington. And then the Mariners taking the first game in Texas. With three more before the All-Star break. Uh, Let's get to Washington. Where in game one, it was the offense early on. Getting it done. Suarez going yard as he continues to have a tremendously productive first half for the Mariners.
2: Here's a swing and a fly ball into deep left field, going and going and way out of here. Goodbye, baseball. Halfway up into the bleachers and straight away left field, A. U. Haneo Suarez with a three-run blast here in the top of the first inning. It's the Mariners three, the Nationals nothing.
1: Yeah, the Mariners poured on the offense in that game, playing some long ball.
2: Here's a swing and a drive deep to right field. Soto going back to the warning track, looking up and good by baseball Cal Raleigh with the Mariners' fourth home run on the afternoon, his 12th home run of the season. He jumps on a 2-2 pitch from Corey Abbott, rides it out of here into the Nationals' bullpen. Cal Raleigh joins the home run derby for the Mariners this afternoon, and it's now the Mariners' six and the Nationals' one.
1: Six to one at that point. Mariners explode offensively in game one. Soto made it look a little uncomfortable, a little closer than you like, but the Mariners, no problem. They get it done. Paul Seawald gets the save in game one. And then in game two, it was all about the pitching, although some more long ball along the way.
3: The two one pitch. Swing, and this is smashed out to the gap in right center field. Is it high enough? It is. It is gone. Winker homers today, and Jesse Winker homers tonight. He has gone deep in both ends of the doubleheader here in DC, and he has given the Mariners a one-nothing lead in the sixth inning. Would be a 2 one
1: win as Paul Sewald closed that game down as well. The second Mariners pitcher to get saves, uh, two saves in one day, Mike Schooler in 1989. And the other here was Paul Sewald on the field after the game with Shannon Dreyer.
4: All right, guys, I'm here with Paul Seewald. And, wow, Paul called on for a little bit of extra today. What did you have to do to be ready for game two?
5: I uh, just had to, had to reload, had to pretend that we didn't have a morning game, and then try and do everything. Like we had a 6 o'clock game, that was the best I could do. And um, just glad that we got the win.
4: When's the last time you did two in one day?
5: No one's no one does two in one day. That okay. was <laughs> ridiculous, and, you know, we got I'm glad we got the win.
4: You got the win, you got the two saves, and you guys have now got 10 wins in a row. What does that mean to this club?
5: That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome, 10 in a row. Uh, A lot of people panicking in May, early June. Other than the clubhouse, um, we knew we had it. You know, we just had to get on a roll, and now we got all our pieces. We're done with suspensions, and uh, we're ready to rock and roll.
4: You didn't do too poorly with the suspensions, though.
5: No, you know, it's nice that we can tease those guys, and maybe we don't need them every once in a while. That's not too bad. Uh, Yeah, 10 and 1 without those guys in the lineup, and... Uh, Now we're even rolling with with them more, and, uh, yeah, we're just ready to go to Texas. The guys
4: that you did need and the ones that were leaned on heavily is every guy that sits with you out in that bullpen, 12 innings today. What can you say of that group and what they have done over the last couple of months?
5: Not bad, huh? Not bad for a doubleheader. But, you know, we just grind. Everyone grinds. That's what it is. And, uh, you know, we just got to work, and we knew knew it was going to be a long day and uh, got some sleep last night, and we were ready to go today.
4: We talk about the turnaround with the offense that we've seen. The starting pitching has been there, but it was pretty dramatic with the bullpen too. Was there a, a mindset that was shared in getting it turned
5: around? No, I think you know, in bullpen, it's just such a minuscule, small sample size. You have one bad one, and you, you're you're bad for like a month. Uh, we had a couple. I mean, Diego, Diego had two bad games, and you know, he's got to work all season to get it back to normal. You know, that's just that's just part of you know judging a bullpen, and we don't judge by ERA, and you know, we're not worried about that. We're just worried about throwing strikes and. Everyone's throwing strikes in May. We just, you know, it wasn't working out for us. We knew it would come around, and June and July are off to a great start.
4: So many strikes. You're now a strikeout bullpen.
5: I don't like that. I like that. <laughs> I mean, I'm pledging I'm pledging money for every strikeout, so you know I'm going for strikeouts.
4: Absolutely. Can you tell people real quick about
5: that? Yeah, just my wife and I, you know, we had Chloe last year, and, you know, that really touched us, and we tried to find someone that um, cares about kids the way we do now, and Eastside Baby Corner is is an organization in Seattle that we we hooked up with and you know we're pledging for every strikeout i have we're going to we're going to send 200 dollars over to them and it's a campaign called seawall strikeout for kids and you can donate too it's on my social media you can uh, you can find our pledge it so uh, yeah that's what we're going for strikeouts and that was pretty good tonight
4: absolutely and it's a way the fans can help us away paul nice day today thank appreciate you it. I appreciate it that's paul Seawold. i will send it back to you guys
1: That was Paul Seawall. Two saves in a day. Incredible. So the Mariners go to Texas, get in late, and it was just one of those games, as you watch it play out, they get Marco for three in the first inning, four nothing. The Mariners find themselves down, and it was some chances. Bases loaded in the second, bases loaded in the third, and it's just looking like one of those days where it's not going to happen. But then they get sparked with an inside-the-park home run.
2: Here's a swing and a line drive into center field. And that is going to skip on by Tavares right underneath his glove, all the way to the wall. Watch Sam run, running second, heading for third. He's going to be waved in by Maniakta. The throw in by Tavares, cut off by Simeon. Relay to the plate, not in time. Head first slide, Sam Haggerty with an inside the park home run.
1: Marco was able to right the ship, keep Texas at bay, the bullpen hung some zeros, and allowed the offense to slowly climb back until the eighth inning when Ty France comes up large.
2: The set by Burke, next offer on the way to Ty, swinging a line shot, base hit in left field. Toro scores, Haggerty running third, heading home. The throw to the plate is cut off by Culberson. Ty France with a two-run single to left, and the Mariners have the lead for the first time in this ballgame, 6-5. to five. Holy smokes, what a comeback! What a comeback.
1: As the Mariners get the win 6-5, 11 in a row. They continue to roll. Here's Scott's service after the game.
6: What a run uh, we are on just never know how it's going to play out every night uh, tonight was a little bit different than our normal formula our normal formula has certainly been consistent and really awesome starting pitching and marco struggled tonight he just really struggled in the first couple innings to find any rhythm uh and they were on him um certainly he's pitched against them a couple different times this year and and uh, they were on the, the change up the breaking balls they were ready to go on the soft stuff so they made adjustment uh unfortunate for us because we were lighting our bullpen tonight he, he was able to get through six innings which really allowed us um, and keep it somewhat close uh, to do what we did offensively tonight. And a uh, ton of credit to the guys at the bottom of the lineup tonight. Hagerty kind of got everything going with it inside the park homer, but, you know, Fraze big hit, Toro, big hit, you know, to get guys on base when the top of the lineup is coming around. And, you know, Ty France uh, does what Ty France does. Uh, he did what he does, <laughs> whatever that plays. But uh, awesome effort by everybody tonight. And you just got that feeling even when we're down three, four runs there as the game's going on, everybody feels like, if we can just get some traffic, we'll get some big hits late, and, and that's what happened tonight. So uh, 11 wins in a row. Incredible. Incredible uh, group we've got, and they look forward to coming to the park every day and see what happens tomorrow. Scott, you're
5: down 4-0, though, and you you had the bases loaded twice and didn't come away with anything. Were you thinking you're going to have to throw a pitcher, position player? I mean, Marco <laughs> had thrown 50 pitches already in two innings.
6: Yeah, I've got a lot of faith in Marco. He usually finds a way to figure it out, and, and he knew going into the game where we are at bullpen-wise, but... Uh, I'm not going to lie, it did pop in my head. If we have to go to the bullpen too early tonight, we will run out of pitching. But uh, thankful we didn't have to do it. Uh, again, uh, awesome job by him to hang in there. And I think that's really the difference between, you know, uh, maybe a young guy out there with, that would panic versus a guy that's, okay, i got to figure out a way to get through this. My team needs me, and that's exactly what he did tonight.
4: So what's the communication in between innings there? Do you ask him if he's got another, or do you just kind of?
6: Oh, no, he's got another. <laughs> Marco's never one to, to beg out, or um, you know, when he came off after the fourth, um, when he was able to put a zero up there, I'm thinking, okay, could we get through the fifth and then see where it would take us? And then fifth was pretty easy. And then getting through the sixth, and I can't give credit to Matt Festa, too, running through the kind of the meat or top of their lineup on the seventh was a huge inning for us. Um, just to, you know, after we'd scored a couple runs to keep it right there. So, uh, again, everybody's contributing, and that's what it takes uh they can't be just leaning on one or two guys every night and that's what we're seeing play out here every day
5: scott perez was pretty tough he had a lot of strikeouts and walks once you got to their bullpen you guys have done damage against their bullpen before in the past did you feel pretty confident that well,
6: i really liked our approach against martin martin perez was trying to stay on the corners tonight that's his game he wants you to chase off the edges our guys did not do that we got the pitch count up there he had 100 pitches through five innings um and we should have scored more runs against him obviously it didn't happen uh but we really good at bats grinding through it you know he was winning the 3-2 counts uh, but we got to a lot of them He ended up walking I think like, 4 or 5 of us but uh, really key to the game to get him out uh, after 5 innings and then open up uh, some things out of their bullpen
5: Sam is fast but he runs the bases really well I mean like that's the like, kind of a lost start for a lot of people how well he runs like, if you look at the corners he cut the way he did it It was pretty
6: impressed it, it, it was you know when the ball gets by the center fielder like that and the guy can run that's the first thing you're thinking about and uh, he was flying around the bases I was glad he looked like the little man jumped on his back coming around third, but he had enough. And uh, uh, really kind of the energizing play in the game to make you feel like, okay, we can get back into this thing. Uh, we caught a little break there, and then we took advantage of it. From there. How
4: much did you need that after, you know, you played two yesterday, a long flight overnight.
6: night? Yeah, you know, it was a long flight, and, and then you're getting in here late, and late scratch by our shortstop was kind of our key kind of energy guy. Uh, he's got a little finger issue, is, is swelled up on a play that happened yesterday. So um, having to put guys in late and having them respond, they're ready to go. Our guys come with a great attitude every day, and they're ready to play whether in their lineup or not. Yeah, we'll see how it is tomorrow. But that that knuckle um, on his uh, pointer finger on his throwing hand, and when he got out early today to take the ground balls, you could see it wasn't right. After that, we just decided to make a scratch of that, put Demo in there. And again, our guy stepped in and, and really stepped up.
1: So now the Mariners, three more against the Texas Rangers as they look to continue the streak. Robbie Ray will get the ball tonight. He's been on fire. We'll see if the Mariners continue the push tonight. In the meantime, Aaron and I had a chance to catch up with former Mariner Wade LeBlanc. We talked about a number of different things, including what Wade is up to now.
3: Man, this is a real treat. One of our favorite guys when he was a member of the Mariners, his time with the Mariners, you know, when you look at his baseball reference page, you're like, man, he was only here for that long. Like it felt. It felt longer, and I mean that in a really good way. Uh, we're really thrilled to be talking with uh, the one and only, the left-handed Wade LeBlanc. Or is it LeBlanc? We'll clear that up. Wade, man, it is great to be with you. It's great to hear your voice again. How are you?
0: Doing well, man. It's great to be here. I appreciate you guys letting me come on. Um, my last name can be pronounced however you want to say it. <laughs> I've, yeah. I've been everywhere in the country. I've been in Japan. I've heard it every way you can say it. So it's up to you.
3: Well, the funny thing is, we didn't think there was more than one way to say your name. We thought it was just LeBlanc. And then one day, when you and I were talking, and there were other people around to witness this, unfortunately, <laughs> and then you said to me, "No, Aaron, it's pronounced LeBlanc." LeBlanc, and then, that's right. and then I I laughed in your face, <laughs> and, and and then you stared at me. That's not the first time.
0: <laughs> Not the first time I've been <laughs> laughed in my face.
3: <laughs> Wait, we've got a lot of great memories of you as a Mariner. What are some of your great memories of being in Seattle?
0: Man, there's a lot. Uh, Easter Sunday, uh, we did. We had a little. Uh, so we rented a house in, on Mercer Island, and Easter Sunday, uh, we we hid Easter eggs in the backyard for the boys to go search, and we have videos of that. We always watch it. Just the little things, you know, like like they have the big things, like the game against Boston the July 3rd game against uh, Anaheim where I threw the day I signed uh, the little extension that I got. And then afterwards we have fireworks on the field. My family was sitting down there on the grass with me. Just those kinds of things. Those are things that'll stay with me for a long, long
3: time. I'm so glad you bring up the Boston game. I mean, (laughs) to this day, if somebody were to ask me like some one of your favorite games to broadcast and watch the the game at home on a Saturday against the Red uh-huh. Sox, full house, yeah, nationally televised, LeBlanc's on the mound facing obviously a really good Red Sox team, yeah, and man, the weather was like, yeah. oh my, it w- wait, it was you couldn't draw it better, it, I mean, it was like seventy eight degrees, eighty yeah. degrees, blue skies, late afternoon start, like a three or four o'clock start, and you absolutely carved the Red sox <laughs> like you carved them up yeah that was fun. that has to be one of your 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 best starts in the big leagues when you consider just the quality of the opponent and where the Mariners were in the calendar and, and trying to make a push
0: yeah so I believe I believe we were we were either a game out of a of a playoff spot or maybe a game and a half and that that put us to within a game either way that was a that particular day had everything father's day was the next day you know that day it like you mentioned the weather was perfect Stephen Wright was pitching his tail off it's hard to it's hard to come up with a game that was that that was better or you know more memorable than that one for me um selfishly
3: seven and two thirds by the way two hits no runs no walks nine strikeouts and what I didn't remember this part a one nothing Mariners win that's right So
0: Nelson Cruz single to left D Gordon scored from second. That was it. Yeah.
3: Now the, the sneaky best part of this game is Gary and I invented an award. (laughs) We invented it because Wade, you became like the second player in as many years to arrive out of absolute obscurity to Mariners land.
0: Who was the first one? (sighs)
3: So you're already a good animal. You you can, who was it? Me. You want it back, you're right. You want him back to back years. That's right. Wade was the first two-time winner of the Wade LeBlanc Award. That's why it's named the Wade That's LeBlanc That's why it's named the Wade That's LeBlanc, the Wade LeBlanc Award because right. the Mariners needed a life raft. And in consecutive years, Wade came out of nowhere, which I don't know how you do that if you did it the year before. <laughs> but it's a time it seemed appropriate to say to absolutely save the Mariners pitching staff and just be this this revelation for the Mariners what they needed absolutely more than anything else and so Gary and I invented this fictitious award called the Wade LeBlanc award and our plan was a real
0: award Aaron wait it's right it is a real
3: it is a it is a real award we and we were going to bestow it verbally on the pitcher that was the savior each and every year and the why this comes to play for your start against the red sox is jp morosi was in town Uh and he was on the fox telecast now simultaneously you mentioned father's day if i remember this story correctly your kids Uh made you a trophy yeah like a huge trophy (laughs) it's it's like
0: three feet tall yeah
3: (laughs) (laughs) and what for being like the best dad
0: Best dad of the year,
3: yeah. Dad of the year, dad of the year. And so Morosi, who is a friend of the broadcast and loves Seattle, and like everybody loves JP, JP is in the clubhouse talking to you the day before your start. Uh And he sees your trophy for being dad of the year. And I happen to say to JP, yeah, and the great thing is, and I explained to him the Wade LeBlanc Award. (laughs) Right. And so when he does the walk-off interview with you (laughs) on national television... He says to you, and Wade, you've even received a trophy that's <laughs> called the Wade LeBlanc Award. <laughs> he completely intermingled the two things into one. And so the Wade LeBlanc Award made national television, which Wade, it's a does real a, award. There's a lot about you, I think, Wade.
0: <laughs> it's a real award. It was on national TV. That means it's real. <laughs> <laughs>
7: I feel like uh, Penn Murphy is the leader in the clubhouse this year for the Wade LeBlanc Award. You so know, that's that's
0: he's, a- he's come on, man. He's he's thrown some big innings on the especially now he's moving towards the back end. It makes a difference, man. It's a stabilizer.
3: That's a great call, Gary. And you know, Wade, it's interesting. I don't know uh, if we can talk. Uh, I want to get back to you a little bit, but since uh, Gary brought up brought up Penn, it is funny, I don't remember all that clearly Scott having a guy like he had in Casey Sadler last year, which she kind of referred to as the pivot guy, right? The guy who oftentimes bridges that gap. And this year it's Penn Murphy Sadler, of course, after the year with surgery, that is a really important role for a manager. And it feels like that is a, that's not just any guy who can do that, right? I mean, there's a reason why it was Sadler last year who excelled at that. And there's a reason why Murphy excels at that this year. I'm not sure exactly the reasons why, that's a real role that a manager wants and needs to have, it seems like.
0: For me, the, the two most important roles, obviously you have your closer, right? That gets, you know, that's why they get paid the big bucks because those outs are the toughest outs to get. But over the course of 162 games in a bullpen, for me, the two most important roles are long reliever and the that bridge guy. Long reliever being because – his task is to go in and throw as many innings as he can in as few pitches as possible to save the bullpen for the rest of the series, right? Like you don't have many days off. So your bullpen needs to be rested. If you have to, you, if you have to burn five relievers on a short start, you're probably having to make two moves and bring in two fresh guys. But if you have a long man that can eat those innings, saves the rest of the bullpen. It's huge over the course of a season. I'm, but as far as Penn Murphy, that bridge guy, because you got to think how often they're throwing. They're throwing when you're down by less than three to keep the game there. They're throwing when you're up by four or five to save the setup man and the closer, but you want to still throw somebody that you have confidence with that can get those outs and keep the game where it's at. That, those guys are warming up pretty much every game because almost every game is in one of those situations getting into the sixth or seventh inning. Those guys are critical.
7: Yeah, because the reality is, it's funny the the closer gets all the headlines, but mm-hmm. games most often are won or lost in the sixth, seventh inning, as a, compared Absolutely. to the ninth inning, for example.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you think about the you know the third time through the order. When's the when when are the two, three, four hitters coming up for the third time? Sixth or seventh inning. You know, if you don't get them out there, you might not get another shot.
3: Yeah, that's why we see. I mean, we've seen Scott Service use Paul Seawald as soon as early as the sixth inning this year. Which uh, I've said this many times, and Gary has also. And we give we give Scott a lot of credit for really kind of a progressive form of managing that bullpen, and uh, the relievers have have gone right along with it. It's it's been really great to watch, even dating back to, of course, last year and, and before that. Well, hey, Wade, we want to we want to get back to you a little bit. Uh, your last year, you spent time with Baltimore and also with St. Louis. And then announced uh, early this year that you were retiring from baseball. Man, it was a great career, Wade. I mean, for real. Not many guys get to spend parts of 13 years in the show. You pitched in over 250 big league games. You logged over 900 innings in the majors. And that's a remarkable career, man. Congratulations on, on a really time well spent in the majors.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that.
3: How difficult was that for you to decide that it was time?
0: Um, it gets pretty easy when you're, when your kids say they're ready to have you home. Um, it, 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 becomes an easy decision, probably going all the way back to 2009. I told my wife, you know, the second you're ready for me to be done, just say the word and I'm, I'm done. Because for me, the approach was baseball was always what I, what I do. It, it, it was never who I am. And I think When it's just when you keep the perspective right and it's just what you do, it's easy to walk away when the time is right. It's easy to know when the time is right to walk away. I think some guys some guys hang on too long. I didn't I didn't want to be that guy. I wanted to um, I wanted to be here for for my boys, especially when they start going through the whole thing. You know, I wanted them. It's funny. I wanted them to be right handed golfers. I did not want them doing what I do. (laughs) 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 there's a lot of times where it's no fun right (laughs) um but they both end up left-handed and they both eat sleep and breathe baseball and so if they're gonna do it i want to be here for them you know so um once they said they were ready to have me home and they wanted me at their games there was never really a second thought are they both pitchers one the nine-year-old's pitching he's he's going through it for the first time which Man, we had our last tournament a couple of weeks ago and I, I called pitches for him. And it was, I guess that made it easier to watch, you know, the fact that I'm having to think through at bats. And because if I were just sitting in the stands, I'd be, I wouldn't be able to watch. I think I'd be too, I, I think I was more nervous for his first start as a pitcher than I was for any of mine ever in my whole life. And I told my wife, I said, oh, man, I'm so sorry you had to go through this for so long uh, because. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy it. So I started calling his pitches and that made it a little easier to go through a game.
3: What's it like as a longtime big league pitcher coaching and watching your kids, not so much in terms of you and your son, but in terms of the other parents and their kids, I mean, are they, are parents pulling you aside all the time and asking you this, this and that about what they should be doing or what? How to do this or how to do that? I mean, or do you try to blend in as much as you can? Uh, how how does that dynamic work?
0: I try to blend in. I think I think being from from a, a small little area like this, it's pretty easy to blend in because once you get into that kind of environment, that baseball parent environment, I feel like you're you're just one of the guys. You're one of the dads, and everybody on our team is is really good about about separating what I did from keeping the focus on the kids, which is where it should be. So that's been. That's been really good. I did get fired from pitching to my seven-year-old's team. He's going through; he's on the eight U. Uh, it's a coach pitch team, and I started to pitch for them, and we scored no runs in the first inning. And the head the head coach fired me, and he won't ever let me pitch again because he said you made a living <laughs> not giving up runs. <laughs> I said, man, I don't know if you watched any of my games. I'm pretty good at giving up runs. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he won't let me throw again. So now I'm just a dad on an on a 8U team, which is good, too. I'll take that, too. You were at
7: this for such a long time. This is the first year that you're not – do you miss anything when the season rolled around, when spring training rolled around, opening day? Have you missed anything about not being in the game this year?
0: You miss being around the guys you miss sitting in the dugout and, and joking around with guys and talking baseball and talking life. And you hear it so much from guys that retired. That's the thing they miss. They don't miss the offseason work. They don't miss the working out, the training, the practice, the being sore every day. I don't miss any of that stuff. Um, and I certainly don't miss trying to get Mike Trout out with 87 miles an hour. <laughs> I don't miss doing that at all. Um I got a couple strikeouts on him, so I'll take those to the bank and I will sleep really well at night knowing I don't ever have to try to do it again.
7: Aaron, are you interested to know Trout's numbers against Wade LeBlanc? Oh, that's
3: fantastic.
0: So, <laughs> do, do Otani's. Do Otani's <laughs> now, that, now that I'm done playing, I never have to face him again. Do that. There's a
7: couple that I think you really like. Okay, Trout was a 250 hitter against Wade. Oh, Yeah. Wade! Yeah. ho oh, Domination! Five punchies. Five. Look at that. Did I have five? Yeah, five strikeouts. Two home runs, but five strikeouts. Five.
3: Wow, how, many hits in, how many hits in total, Garrett? Three for 12. More strikeouts than hits. Yeah, That's oh, man. That's a,
0: win. Now,
7: That's a win. Now, perusing through your matchups, the guy you faced the most in your career, Justin Upton. Justin Upton is currently a Mariner. Get this three for 34. That is 088. <laughs> With no home
3: runs and 12 strikeouts. What?
7: Oh, yeah. I'll tell him
3: that. Dude, Upton's made like $300 million in his career. <laughs> I know. Career. Where's he's mine? Facing, he's facing a lefty throwing 87. <laughs> and that lefty is carving him to pieces. Where's my, money? Where's my money? <laughs>
0: duo Otani's. Duo Otani's numbers. Because yeah. I, I never well, said the numbers. I never said the numbers against Otani while I was playing, but now I can do it because I'll never face him again.
7: Oh my. This is why you brought it up. That's right. This is unbelievable. Otani against Wade LeBlanc. Zero for 13 with nine strikeouts. What?
0: <laughs> Are you kidding me? Unbelievable. See where's my money? <laughs> the MVP and the current
7: Babe Ruth of baseball was 0 for 13 with nine punches. This is phenomenal.
3: I got wait. Forget broadcasting, man. You need to hold some like private seminars for some pitchers. <laughs> I mean, you're gonna you'll make hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of dollars.
0: That's what I need. Hey, what were your numbers against the Angels? Seriously. <laughs> I don't know. So the first time, the first at bat I ever faced Mike Trout, I got him 0-2 on fastballs or maybe 1-2 and then threw him the first changeup he ever saw from me and he hit it 500 feet. And I'm like, I'm getting a new ball and I'm like, that's the first changeup he saw. How, is it not good? You know, like it, you barrel the first one you ever see. I feel like my changeup was pretty good. And then, I don't know, the next, the next time he hit a home run, it was, it was in Anaheim, and it was a backdoor cutter that never came back. It stayed off the plate away, and he hit it 500 feet down the left field line. I, don't, I still don't know how he did it.
7: <laughs> so what was the Otani magic here?
0: What sorcery did you have going? Smoking mirrors, man. <laughs> Same thing Upton did. They got themselves out. Not doing anything special. <laughs>
3: By the way, how did you know that you would face Upton more than any other batter? Like, do you just innately know that because you were there? I mean, but a Uh, lot of guys wouldn't know that. So
0: when I was in A-ball with the Padres, he was in A-ball with the Diamondbacks. And we just, we came up. Everywhere I was, he was. Like, almost every division. So I was in San Diego. He was in Arizona. Uh, He ends up in Anaheim. Oh, um, I was in Miami. He was in Atlanta. And then I I am in, I'm in Seattle and he ends up in uh, Anaheim. It was just like, I couldn't go anywhere that Upton wasn't, which was great because he was, I don't know what he was doing, but like he would take, he would take 86 right down the middle. I'm like, what are you doing, man? (laughs) I don't know. Don't tell him that though.
3: No, no. And nobody will hear this. We're not even recording right now. It's fine. It's totally fine. Yeah, you can Perfect. say anything you want. I mean, he yeah, has automatically three outs for you every time he started against this team.
0: You know, I always said, if I, if I could face him and Otani and throw Matt Kemp in there, like I'd be a Hall of Famer. <laughs> <laughs> because those guys would just get themselves out all the time. They would outthink themselves.
3: Oh, my gosh. That's incredible. Hey, we know that you and Marco are tight, you uh, Southpaw brothers. That's um, right. First of all, like, let's talk Marco's hair for a second. Like, he grew it out last year. He's got the flow still going. I mean, he's pitching well. How do we how do we grade the Marco flow? Because he, he talks so much trash to me about his hair. I can't take it anymore.
0: About his hair? Yeah. I don't like it. Oh! 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 It's, working. it's working.
3: You're going to be a great analyst, Wade. <laughs> <laughs> call, call him as you see him.
0: Is it, should I do that or no?
3: I mean, it's I think to Marco in particular, you should. I think you should just cut him up to a thousand pieces.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's not even that was a terrible
3: that was a terrible pitch. I would have never thrown a cut. <laughs> I would have
0: never thrown that. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: Look up here, I'll tell you what to throw.
3: Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I mean I, I assume you guys still keep in touch and you've watched some of the starts this year He's having a great year.
0: He's doing great and he's he's doing what Marco does, which is you know, gets out, eats innings. Keeps runs off the board, keeps the team in the game. That's what that's what he does. That's what he's always done. That's what he gets paid to do. So, um, it's been it's been nice to watch him kind of come into his own, um, specifically in eighteen right there, um, and then watch him just kind of grow from there. It's been it's been really fun to watch.
3: There's a picture that you guys have that Marco showed me. That's the, it was the three lefties of a season. It was this great picture of you paxton Mm -hmm. and marco leaning up on the railing Mm -hmm. and marco showed this to me and you all signed it yeah and i gave marco so much flack for signing his own picture (laughs) right (laughs) and he goes he's like no 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 we 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 have three copies and we we all signed all three i was like yeah but like if you know that one's yours like why are you gonna sign your own no, you don't understand how it worked. We we had three. No, Marco, I understand how it works. There are three copies. Was he doing this while he said it? Yeah, he's brushing his hair back. <laughs> the three copies and three pictures. I I understand the math here, Marco. <laughs> I'm just surprised you signed your own picture. So we had a I, I mean I understand. I was. Is it hung up? Hungry. Is
0: it hung up on his locker?
3: Uh, I'm sure. I think it's right above his bed. You know,
0: above his bed. That's better. yeah.
3: Right above Grace's crib. I think is how, how it is working out. Yeah, Marco's a dad now. Marco's a dad now, Wade. You know, he's got the, working dad. the dad bod. He's got the dad strength, dad hair, the whole thing. You dad can, hair
0: is there for sure.
3: You can that's relate definitely
0: to this. Like the, that's the turn 30, have a kid. Like, I need to grow my hair out. That's that kind of thing. <laughs> I don't know if he's 30 or not. Yeah, <laughs> feels like he's, Feels like he should be.
3: He definitely should be. He definitely should be. Oh, my gosh. I'm
0: curious. You were...
7: Major League Baseball for a long time, obviously. How did pitching change from the time that I don't know you were coming up in the minors to when you left Major League Baseball last year? You
0: know, it it went from it went from sinkers to cutters to mm-hmm. four seams and curveballs. I mean, that's the that's the generic way to say how it changed. But really, the reason that's changed is because of the way hitting has changed. And I think what people don't realize like what i noticed over the course of 13 years is um not a cookie cutter approach but a general idea of what you what a hitter's trying to do when i first came up it was take his best pitch away um so like for me for example when i first came up it was okay i'm going to sit on his changeup and get one that i can handle if he throws me three fastballs on the inside corner i'll tip my cap right? I don't want him to beat me with his best pitch. Then it changed to, okay, his, his best pitch is so good, not necessarily mine, just other guys, but like right. his best pitch is so good that if, if he executes it, I can't do anything with it anyway. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick a pitch that I can handle, right? So like, let's say, let's say Robbie Ray's slider is so good, right? It, it really doesn't matter where he throws it. I can't do a whole lot with it because it breaks so sharp and so late. I have to take his fastball. I have to look for a fastball that I can handle. So I'm going to give him everything down. If I, if I chase something down at the knees, chances are it's probably going to be a slider. So I'm going to give him everything down and I'm going to start looking for something up Mm -hmm. that I can handle. And now it's kind of gone to like hitters are are, are like shifting the field, right? Like I talked to Kyle Seeger a lot about hitting about hitters approaches and his his whole thing was like guys now are starting to shift the field where center field for a lefty is considered oppo that was Mm -hmm. his approach like I want to get something doesn't matter what and I've heard I've heard Freddie Freeman say the same thing to guys like doesn't matter what the pitch is if I can get my if I can get the bat head out in front and pull it for power I'm swinging at it and my idea of going opposite field is now center field. If I hit something in the center field that for me, that's me going the other way. And I think those, those three kind of approaches are, are, are how hitting has changed. And because of that is what's causing pitchers to make adjustments on the back end. It's been weird to kind of go through that, you know, as a pitcher, all, you know, seeing all of those and making all those changes. Um, to make a long story longer, but, um, that's pretty much how I've perceived and how I've talked to hitters. I used to talk to hitters all the time about what they're trying to do and what this guy is trying to do, or who have you talked to blah, blah, blah. And that's kind of what I've gotten over the years.
3: Yeah. That's fascinating. That's a really good breakdown.
7: Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon.
0: When a thought hits you.